We continue in our devotionals on our 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 series for the this winter spring season, where we're talking about being designed for for glory, for the glory uh, that Paul talks about in Thessalonians when he writes and says that we are possessors. It literally the literal translation of the word he uses there is possessors of the glory of Christ, and this week. We're really talking about how if you pursue and living for the glory of God, if you pursue living as a possessor of the glory of Christ, that that this, this literally means that you are giving yourself the opportunity to live in, in, in a true joy, not just temporary happiness, not just circumstantial uh moments that that go your way but actually to have a center of joy <clears throat> that originates in the joy of the trinity that for all eternity the father son and holy spirit have lived in joy in one another the father's joy in the son the son's joy in the father the Holy Spirit being the personification of that joy, as well as the love that the two share. So it is a, the Trinity is a community of joy. And when you truly begin to live as one who possesses the glory of Christ, then you are destined for joy, because joy is, is central to the essence of who God is. Now, this shows up in so many scriptures. Let me read a few. The first, kind of the framing scripture for this week is 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice. Listen to this. So this is a double. To rejoice is to have joy. But he's saying to rejoice with joy. So it's like joy, joy. And that, that joy, he says, is inexpressible. It's a joy beyond words, beyond description. And then it says, and a joy that is filled with glory. And uh, <clears throat> we, we can look at this, that this has been a consistent revelation of who God is and, who, and, and, and really what characterizes relationship with God. Listen to what Nehemiah says in chapter 8, verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. And then here, here, here's, you know, the verse and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So he's really speaking of the centrality, not of a joy that's uh, manufactured by you, not a joy that's that's false, but a but a true accessing and allowing the joy of the Lord to have access becomes your strength. Psalm sixteen is is full of this kind of experience of joy in the manifest presence of God, not just in His omnipresence, but. But having a relational experience of his presence, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence 
there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forever. So this, again, it becomes characteristic of the person who truly understands their salvation. He truly understands what it is to be justified by faith, what it is to come into right relationship with God, that you now have a center of joy, that the same joy that the Father has in the Son, he now has in you. The same joy the Son has in the Father, he now has in you. And that joy expressed in the very person of the Holy Spirit, who is the divine resident of your soul. He, he dwells within the, the walls of your life. So, you know, again, I know it's kind of a, a deep theological truth to talk about this Trinitarian um, understanding of God, but the Trinitarian understanding of God is essential because the only one who understands God is God. And understanding how he has revealed himself is the only way that you actually know God adequately or accurately. So the way that God knows God so fully is expressed in the very person of the Son. And not only does God want to be known in the person of the Son, but he wants his joy to be experienced in the person of the Holy Spirit. So at the center of this beautiful relationship is the joy that the Father and Son experience in one another. And they so want you to know that joy that that Jesus has given you, his Holy Spirit, who is the the enjoyment of God in God, fully realized in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so our capacity to experience the level of joy also then affects our ability in so many ways to know reality and to experience love in our present reality. See, in many ways, what happens is if you do not have a center of joy, you have a drive for joy. Just as, just as if we do not have a source of glory, you have within you a glory emptiness, but also a drive or a glory hunger. In the same way, we have a joy emptiness and we have a joy hunger. And so what, what happens is because of the emptiness of glory and the emptiness of our joy, we will pursue things that are not ultimately fulfilling and are often quite destructive. And so we're not able many times to understand reality if we are pursuing our own source of glory and our own source of joy. So what, what I think makes this so powerful in terms of our, our understanding is that you can understand how God expresses his glory. And, and his glory is most accurately and, and adequately understood when you see that his own idea of glory is revealed in the perfection of his son. 
who is himself the brightness of the very glory of God, the logos of God, the word of God, who is the glory of God, who is the exact representation of God's glory. And so, you see, in some ways, we will not understand glory till we begin to understand that God is most glorified in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, and you see this in a very clear way at Jesus' baptism. So Jesus submits to, to the baptism of John. He doesn't need the baptism of John because he, he is sinless and he is perfect. He's without sin. But in order to fulfill all the law, and John is the last of the prophets, so Jesus submits to fulfill all the law. John himself recognizes in Jesus that, that he's not even worthy to tie his shoes. But Jesus submits to baptism as an obedient son. And the Father thunders from heaven. And you hear the joy and the glory of the Father, of the glorifying of the Father, of his Son. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And what descends upon him but the Holy Spirit of joy, the Holy Spirit of God, descends on him like a dove. We see the Trinitarian revelation of God, God's understanding of God. God is glorified in his perfect idea of himself, and manifest to us through his son, but also the delight that God has in himself, the father's delight, the son's delight, flows forth in infinite love. This is my beloved son. And what descends upon him? The infinite love of the father in the person of the Holy Spirit, which we see symbolized coming down upon him as, as a dove. And this is God's, this is God showing his delight in, in each person of the Trinity, the delight of the Father, the delight of the Son, the, the Holy Spirit, the personification of that delight. God is not a God up there angry and frustrated. God is a God of delight. You understand in so many ways, when you catch that reality, you begin to understand why the psalmist would say, delight yourself in the Lord. Because it means, it means that you're beginning to understand where true delight comes from, where ultimate happiness, ultimate joy comes from. So how do we then reflect back the way God glorifies himself? He glorifies himself in his son. He glorifies himself in the Holy Spirit who comes to us lavishing his infinite love and delight towards, towards himself. So God delights to glorify himself towards us in two ways. He makes himself known to us so that we can understand God. Now, do we understand him perfectly? Of course not. He's the infinite. He's the only one who knows himself fully. But he reveals himself to us in accommodating ways, in ways that we can grasp. This is why he is called Father. This is why the second person of the Trinity is the Son. This is why we have a descriptor, the Holy Spirit, so that we can have things to latch onto and understand. But God is not content 
to manifest his glory simply in uh, showing us how beautiful he is, how worthwhile he is, how powerful he is. God glorifies himself by communicating to our hearts so that our hearts not only understand who God is, but can actually have the capacity, as Peter says, to rejoice and even to delight in God. And, and so that every manifestation of his presence, every manifestation of the relational, you know, capital that we have with him becomes something we learn to enjoy. And so he is really clear, and Peter is, is, is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying us that God doesn't just want his glory to be seen or just to be understood. He wants it to be rejoiced in because he delights, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, delight in one another. He wants us to delight in him. So he is glorified, not just that we can recount how glorious he is, but when we receive his glory, possess his glory with our whole soul, both by intellectual assent and understanding and by heart trust and reliance. This is an interesting thing is clearly the design of God and the purpose of God was to communicate to us and that we would receive his glory and that it would be received both by our minds. In other words, we would understand it. We would have a concept of it, but that we'd also experience it with our hearts. Um, he delights in us, delighting in him. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, John Piper wrote about this, and much of much of what uh, I'm sharing with you today comes from a book of his called Desiring God. And he wrote this, and I, I when I first read this, probably when I was a college student, it struck me, because... I, it was kind of drilled into me as a as a young believer that my chief end or my purpose in life was to glorify God, and then it always struck me as unusual because the 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 statement of theology that I grew up with said to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, and I was I always struggled with that as a kid because in some ways it felt like if I was glorifying God, I was saying no to the enjoyments of this world. I was saying no to things that that had tempted me and, and deceived me. And, and, and so it, it felt like that it was a, to glorify God was more a life of no than a life of yes. And so I, even as a, a young person, I was thinking, well, what does it mean to glorify him and to enjoy him? And I love what Piper says because it, it helped me. He said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So God is not only at the heart of what it means for our joy in God. Joy is not only at the heart of what it means for God to be God. But joy is at the heart of what it means to actually glorify God. So in a way, you could say, well, 
my chief end or my purpose is to glorify God. But if I'm doing that without joy, then it's not really glorifying to God. Now, I have a kind of a silly illustration for this, but I, I like to do things for Lisa. I like to, to serve her. I like to figure out things that will make her happy or delight her. But I also uh, have to admit, to my own embarrassment, uh, that I do it and say to her something like this, do I get points for this? And and so you know if I if 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 I do something that makes her happy or whatever I'm 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 sort of in a default setting where I'm like okay you know hopefully this is going to win me some points. Now what I, what I mean by that is that when I want to do something like go play golf with my friends or I want to you know I want to go watch the football game with with my buddies or whatever it might be. Then I want her to remember. You remember when you when I sacrificed? You remember when I did this? And and I want her to use those times to say, "Yes, Mike, you go play golf. You you deserve it. You you've earned it, or whatever." Now, my wife is much more much more like God <laughs> in this instance, especially in terms of understanding love and understanding service. That if, that if I'm doing it just to get something, or if I'm doing it for points, then it doesn't really glorify her. It feels like a business transaction. It doesn't really manifest joy or love. It makes her feel like, you know, it's, it's actually kind of impersonal. And it's not love, it's a, it's a transaction. And so she's she's very good at sniffing stuff like that out. And she says, you know, what difference would the points make? And 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 she's looking for me to do things because I enjoy doing them for her, not because I'm obligating her. Not because I'm I'm putting her under, you know, a transaction. I did this for you, now you have to do this for me. Because she knows that's not love. She knows that's not, and in this case, what we're talking about, when all we're doing is transactions with God. Brad, do you remember how I've read the Bible? You know how much I've prayed. You know how I've sacrificed for this or that. It's the idea of saying, all of those should be gaining me points. But in reality, what it's saying is, I'm not glorifying God. I'm using God. I'm trying to get leverage. I'm I'm trying to obligate God to me. And so this centrality of joy is the only way to truly glorify God. Is I'm not doing it to get. I'm not doing it to put him under my obligation. I'm not trying to get points or earn. But I do the things I do because I delight in God. And the way I show my delight in God glorifies God. God is not only glorified because I understand that he is glorious, but he's glorified when I rejoice in his glory. When I see who he really is, when I see what he's really done for me, and I take delight in it. That's what, that is literally, I mean, that's what Peter is saying. We rejoice with joy. And if we, if we really believe that, 
especially for me in, in the ministry and as a pastor, if I really believe that, then then joy is central not just to my relationship with God, but joy is central in how I relate to other people, how I relate to my wife, not with points, not obligating her, how I relate to the people I pastor and minister to. Because I glorify God not just by doing the right things, but doing them because I rejoice in him and in his glory and I rejoice in doing the right things. And I do it for him. And having done it, I'm not obligating him. I'm not obligating other people. I'm doing it because I delight in the glory of God. And this is the only way to truly be God-glorifying. Let me reinforce a little bit more the centrality of the joy. Listen, listen to what Zephaniah 3.17 says. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. Now listen. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Again, isn't that an amazing? I mean, rejoicing in and of itself is, is, is a, you know, it is the experience of happiness. It's the experience of joy. But it's a double, it's like a double portion again. He will rejoice over you with gladness. This is so, it's so essential that we understand the Lord in our midst because of Jesus, not because of you. The Lord in our midst is rejoicing over you with gladness. It's a double portion. And then it says this, he will quiet you by his love. And then one of my favorites, he will exult over you with loud singing. See, you cannot, if you understand that, that all of this kind of joy in you and this joy that he has for you is all grace. It's not because of what you've earned, but because of what Jesus has earned. You know, Jesus was treated as you deserve. Now the Father is treating you as Jesus deserves. So the same rejoicing, you're his beloved son, you're his beloved daughter, the same rejoicing that he has over Jesus with gladness is the rejoicing he has standing forth towards you. And if you see that and you know that, then you look at the storms that are in your life and you let him then quiet you with his love because you're not earning his love. You don't have points that you need to spend. You're, you are the object of his love. God knowing himself perfectly has revealed himself to you as the one who exalts over you with loud singing. This is why everything in the Christian life is a matter of faith. It's a matter of saying, I know I don't deserve this. Of course I don't deserve this. I might have messed up. You know, the, he has to quiet me because I created the storm, not just because there are storms. And yet even in those instances, even when it seems the bleakest, he's singing over you with loud singing. And so this is how central love is about God. And so... You don't have to, you don't have to negate 
your own drive, your own hunger for joy. But rather what he's saying is that when you, when you center your joy in glorifying God, those two things come together. God created the world for you. And he also created the world for himself. He created a world where he will and he does display his glory. But he also created a world in which he wants to meet your needs and he wants you to experience joy. Not, not, just, not just experiencing joy when you get to heaven. I mean, some of us, when we think about the salvation of our souls, we're just thinking of, we're just thinking of our afterlife, after we die. But what every single revelation of God's joy is, is that God is seeking your good right now. And God is seeking for you to experience his glory and to be able to rejoice and have capacity for the greatness of joy as he expresses his glory in you and through you. He wants you to know what he knows of joy. And he wants you to realize that you were designed to glorify God and that by glorifying God, you actually put yourself in position to be truly satisfied. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. We most glorify God by enjoying him, not just enjoying enjoyment. But we are created in God's image in such a way that you actually have the capacity to understand, to know, to comprehend what is the most supremely enjoyable thing in all this universe, and that is to possess the glory of Christ. In his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forever. So God created you to know and to exhibit his glory. But he also created that as you know and exhibit his glory, you're experiencing his joy. The joy of the Father and the Son personalized in the person of the Holy Spirit. We were designed for his glory. And we, were, we are designed and destined for his joy. Satisfied with nothing less. Now, there's a supreme happiness that's what joy really is. It's the supreme happiness. Now, there are all kinds of ways to seek happiness and dishonor God. And one of the things that C.S. Lewis says that has always struck me is he said, if you just make your object to be happy, and I hear this, I hear parents saying this, I just want my kids to be happy. And I think it reflects their own mistaken idea that you pursue happiness. And Lewis said, if you pursue happiness, you'll never, you'll never experience it or it will elude you. But he said, if you pursue God, if you pursue, and I believe what he means by the glory of God, possessing this glory, then you will not only have the glory of God and not only have God, but you'll have the supreme happiness that God himself dwells in. See, his joy is an all-satisfying joy, nothing less. Listen to what Jesus prayed for you. 
I made known to them your name, he said, and I will continue to make it known, that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. See, God doesn't have to show mercy to Jesus because all he has is love for Jesus. And all the Father has in Jesus is joy. So God is not doing any sacrifice or self-sacrifice in any way for the Father to love the Son. So the love the Father has for the Son creates a total energy of joy. That's what Jesus is talking about here. The Father's joy in loving the Son. And then what does he say? I pray that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. In other words, God's love for the Son, infinite in joy, he delights in loving his Son, is now in you. And it becomes, if you let it, it becomes your love for the Son. The Father's love for the Son becomes your love because you're in Christ for the Son. I mean, all of us feel emotionally inadequate to respond to God. But what this is saying is that when we pass from this life to the next, we will not be emotionally inadequate anymore because the energy of the joy of God will be fully realized in our glorified selves and we will love the Son like the Father loves the Son. And the one generating this energy of joy in us is the very person who is the energy of that joy, who is the Holy Spirit. We will enjoy the Son of God in the life to come the same way the Father enjoys the Son. The very joy of God the Father will be in us. That's, that's what Jesus is praying for. Now, what the Spirit is doing now is, is giving you capacity to love the Son like the Father loves the Son. Jesus said it this way. He said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, you will not get there by saying, I'm going to try to be more joyful. You'll only get there if you recognize you already have a center of joy, that you, you have been brought into union with joy. Now let the joy of the Lord loose in your life. Lord, I will... I will rejoice in you. I will rejoice in my salvation. Lord, I will rejoice in your glory. I'll find joy in my obedience. Now, one of the things that should give you confidence is the one praying for you, praying for you to have this joy, that the joy the Father has in the Son, the Son and the Father. The one praying for you is the Lord Jesus Christ and the one working in your life is the personification of that joy. How much God enjoys God is personified in the person of the Holy Spirit. So the joy of the Lord is within you, dwelling, indwelling you. Instead of trying to produce that joy, will you give in to that joy? Lord, you have joy in me. Just as the Father enjoys the Son, you enjoy me. Just as the Son enjoys the Father, you enjoy me. It always works that way. It's not first I have joy in him. It's first he has joy in me. And then I respond with joy 
in him. So today is calling on you to believe and understand, but then with your will say, I will rejoice in God, my Savior. I will rejoice and be glad. The double portion.